Coming up on We Talk News this week, it's all about hemp. New York State gets it right, allowing existing hemp growers to grow THC cannabis. We have reaction. The U.S. Department of Agriculture releases their annual hemp report, and the harvest reaches over $800 million. South Dakota continues to battle over voter-approved legalization, and a cannabis jobs report by Leafly shows 33% growth from last year. Plus, taking the odor out of cannabis? Is that a good thing? On Weed Talk News, next. Pro-cannabis media programming and PCM-TV is supported by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first. And by Salient Systems for Video Surveillance. You've got regulations, Salient has solutions for your security needs. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. This week's top story comes from the Empire State, where opportunities are growing for farmers. New York lawmakers have approved a bill to provide temporary and conditional licenses to many hemp farmers in the state and would allow them to switch their operational focus to THC cannabis. Previously, vertically integrated MSO companies were the only ones given licenses to grow cannabis. Alan Gandelman of the New York Growers Association says this will help the recreational market start thriving, but there's still a long way to go. I mean, this was truly the smartest thing the state cannabis office could have done in terms of building supply chain. Now they need to do all the other smart things, which is actually license social equity dispensary owners, provide the, gr the grants, provide the loans, get people stood up. We have to build a mentorship program, an incubator program. There is a lot of work to do, but now we know that there's some form of a supply chain. We have processors already, like people like myself. I've been an organic vegetable farmer for 10 years. I have a 200 acre farm. We grow vegetables. We've been growing hemp for CBD for four years. We have a full GMP, nutraceutical kosher certified organic extraction facility uh, that we've been running for years. You know, we, we make products for, you know, people like Wegmans, for example, and we know what we're doing. We have, we know what we're doing in, in the cannabis space in the CBD molecule side. We're just going to add THC. And I really think this was a wise decision across the board. Now we need to add more licenses. We need to add social equity licenses. We need to build mentorship. But in the basic facts of not having a shortage, I mean, in the first few months, which is what all the states experience, and having something that people want and is affordable and is done by small businesses and not just like the few, you know, MSOs, I think it's a fantastic opportunity. And now we have to deliver. So thanks to hemp farmers, hopefully the people of New York will be able to buy their weed and smoke it too, sooner rather than later. And speaking of hemp, the numbers are in and hemp is making big bucks in America. 
The U.S. Department of Agriculture says farmers harvested 33,500 acres of hemp in 2021. The total value of that, $824 million, proving the plant has a lot of green to offer the economy. Be sure to tune in Friday to Green Rush Live, where our own Jimmy Young will chat with Terry Booth, the CEO of Audacious, a next-generation MSO growing the cannabis industry from the ground up. Plus, several others will be there, too, to keep talking about him. But for now, let's check in with Deborah Borchardt for this week's Green Market Report. I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this is your business update from the Green Market Report. Earnings season got off to a strong start this week. Weed Maps announced its revenue for the fourth quarter increased to $54 million, and that beat analyst estimates. The outlook for 2022 is for full-year revenue to be between $255 million and $265 million, and that's an over 30% growth. Innovative Industrial Properties announced total revenues of $58 million for the fourth quarter. They also generated total revenues of approximately $204 million for 2021. Turning Point Brands maker of Zigzag Papers reported its fourth quarter sales were essentially flat at $105 million. Now for the full year though, their sales increased to $445 million. Really the only big disappointment in earnings this week came from Kronos Group. They said that their third quarter revenue dropped by 80% to $20 million. However, that strong increase in earnings was overshadowed by a restatement of second quarter earnings and a whopping charge of $235 million. And on top of that, they said they're restructuring the company to cut costs. So it was a little bit of a mess. Well, this has been the We Talk News business update from the Green Market Report. I'm Deborah Borchardt. It's not just hemp growing in big numbers. More and more states are moving closer toward legal THC cannabis use. And this week, the battle over legal bud continues in South Dakota. Voters there approved legalization back in 2020, but it was invalidated by the state's Supreme Court after a challenge by Governor Christy Nome. And this week, South Dakota's Senate approved bills to legalize and tax marijuana in the state, as well as provide for expungements for low-level cannabis offenses. But here's the kicker. Governor Nome says she's still not ruling out the idea of a veto, saying she's skeptical about voter support for the reform, despite them outright voting for legalization two years ago. Another case of cannabis in a chokehold by a politician. So we'll have to see if Nome sticks to her guns or gets pressured out of that veto. More legalization news in Maryland. Last week, a House committee approved a pair of bills to put a cannabis legalization referendum on this November's ballot and begin setting up details for the program if voters approve. So the future of a budding industry looks hopeful there. And in New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy says people can expect to see recreational cannabis sales start up within weeks. Voters there also approved legalization back in 2020, but the logistics of the market have yet to be set in motion. Murphy says he hopes that by March, quote, you're going to see explicit movement on the medical dispensaries with some number of them being able to sell recreational, unquote. Hopefully this holds true. Sticking with the East Coast now, Jesse Lynn Dolan has a look at more legalization efforts in this week's Vermont Report. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. 
To date, more than 30 Vermont cities and towns have opted to allow cannabis dispensaries within their limits. And the town meeting day vote will have a significant impact on the face of retail cannabis sales in the state. Town meeting day is March 1st, and cannabis advocates and entrepreneurs across the state are in a final push to ensure retail sales will be considered and voted on in their communities. Vermontawana's Ski Days continues this weekend at Smuggler's Notch, and they're planning a meetup at Magic Mountain on March 27th. Their Ski Can Festival has been bumped to February 2023. The deadline for entering the Hetty Vermont Hetty's Growers Cup has commenced. The award ceremony will be April 16th in Essex. Senate Finance is taking up one of the many cannabis bills currently in legislation. This bill would set fees for cannabis establishments and the Vermont Medical Cannabis Program. The Senate Finance Committee is also hearing testimony on another bill that is trying to sensibly designate small cannabis cultivators as farmers. The Vermont Coalition for Equity in Cannabis is asking for a new license category, which would allow farmers and small producers limited direct to consumer sales through delivery or pickup. They've also been asking for a nursery license, which would allow the sale of seeds and living, but non-flowering plants to home cultivators and other licensees. The Cannabis Control Board had two meetings for public comment on rules three and four this past week as well as the third event in their social equity and economic empowerment networking series. This meeting on navigating financing a cannabis business featured a question and answer with Cannabis Control Board Chair James Pepper on the upcoming pre-qualification period. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Adult use cannabis markets in the U.S. and Canada remain the most prominent regions globally for cannabis sales, but new reports show that Israel, Australia, and Germany's markets will develop considerably over the next few years, possibly giving those markets a run for their money. Weed only continues to grow on the global scale, and with that, we want to check in with Stephen Arthur George for this week's European Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George with SAG Services in Lisbon, Portugal. This is the European Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Cannabis reimbursements continue to increase in Germany. In the first nine months of 2021, 130 million euros of medical cannabis reimbursements were registered. This does not even take into account the private insurance reimbursements. And on top of that, there's also a large amount of patients who are paying out of pocket with no reimbursement whatsoever. Down in South Africa, they're not talking about millions, but about billions. There's been a lot of support recently from the South African president. And the South African premier recently announced a $3 billion project. The government sees a huge economic opportunity and wants to move forward. Up in the UK or near the UK, the Isle of Man is open to cannabis cultivation. The self-governing nation is welcoming applications for cannabis projects. A hundred million euro project has already been presented. Like South Africa, they clearly see the 
economic opportunity with medical cannabis and want to move forward. That's the European Cannabis Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George with SAG Services, reporting for Weed Talk News. Back in the U.S., Leafly's annual legal cannabis jobs report is out, and job rates are as high as customers. The report found last year created an average of 280 new cannabis jobs per day, a single year increase of 33%. And Massachusetts seems to be leading the way in growth. The Bay State seems to be rapidly bringing more licensed recreational retail stores online, adding to the state's job count. Cannabis industry workers now outnumber lawyers, police officers, firefighters, and physical therapists in the Bay State. Ron Marshall C. has much more in this week's Massachusetts Report. I'm Ron Marshall C. with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Earlier this week, I was able to stop by the open house of the brand new ACS dispensary located in Hull. And while I was there, I was able to talk with ACS president and CEO Stephen Werther about finally having a location days away from a grand opening. We're very excited. It's been a long road and a lot of hard work and you just can't get here soon enough. We've already been waiting about seven days since we had our final inspection and so it was submitted, so I'd expect, you know, within the next few days, hopefully, two, three, four days. And then there's a th- small three-day waiting period, apparently. So I'd like to think within the next week we'll be able to get open. Steven and the rest of the ACS team are just waiting for that final letter saying they can commence operations. Juicy Holdings Incorporated is launching a series of branded cannabis products in Massachusetts, which includes the debut of some of its premium flower brands. Jim Cacheppo, the CEO, chairman, and founder of Jushi, was quoted as saying, We are excited to roll out our complete line of industry-leading brands and products to the people of Massachusetts. Through our high-performing retail stores in Tingsboro and Millbury and our newly expanded Lakeville Grower Processor Facility, we aspire to redefine the customer experience in Massachusetts. Jushi is also looking to acquire one additional adult-use dispensary because they plan to make more of their brands and products available across the state in the coming months. Finally, the BDSA, the leading provider of market research for the cannabis industry, has named Fernway as one of the top five cannabis brands in the nation to watch in 2022. The Northampton-based cannabis brand was ranked top five by dollar sales among vape brands in the Bay State for 2021. After launching a year ago, Fernway has quickly become Massachusetts' fastest-selling cannabis vape brand and is the market leader in the vape cartridge category. Their products are currently available at over 120 dispensaries. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience. While California has been the heart of cannabis for quite some time, it's only just now that the state as a whole is considering cutting weed from the list of workplace drug testing requirements. If passed, Measure AB 2188 would end discrimination based on drug testing for cannabis metabolites across the entire Golden State. Christopher Smith has more in this week's California Report. Greetings from the left coast. This is the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. Now, I bet this is being covered already, but I'm going to throw it down anyway. The Leafly Jobs Report just came out, and the numbers are delicious. The cannabis industry has now created 428,000 jobs. That's a 
33% increase from a year earlier and includes 83,607 jobs in California, and one of those is me. California expertise is being called in to help our East Coast compatriots in multiple cannabis fields. Last April, California attorney Omar Figueroa published New York Cannabis Laws and Regulations 2021, available on Amazon. And now just this month, the law offices of Omar Figueroa have opened an outpost in Brooklyn and begun taking clients since February 2nd. Figueroa brings Stanford Law School quality and deep cannabis legal experience to New York, so they won't have to reinvent the wheel, he says. But will New York learn from California's mistakes? Economist Bo Whitney says, only half-jokingly, if New York is doing the opposite of what occurred in California, they'll be successful. There's a new California beverage company called Drink Loud. Here's the twist. While prohibitionists are doing everything they can to limit the amount of THC that patients and consenting adults are allowed to buy, this new brand is going the other way. A Drink Loud beverage is 100 milligrams of THC in a bottle that's less than two ounces, or it's about the size of a five-hour energy drink. Start low and slow, as they say, or share with friends. But concentrated goodness is an environmentally friendly trend in cannabis products that's bound to make a splash. Downtown LA has a new cannabis hub called the Green Street Building, and that's where you'll find a 5,500 square foot super healthy restaurant and lounge called Gusto Green. Gusto Green. Come on out and be among the first to order Zeiss Farm Crispy Hemp Leaf dipped in chickpea batter and hemp seed oil, or crispy spelt pancake made with Zeiss Hemp Leaf Zatar and dill sauce, and wash them down with a dry town made with lemon, sage hibiscus, and master kush terpenes. Now keep an eye on terpenes as a flavoring for health-forward drinks. It's going to blow up. You heard it here first. And I'm Christopher Smith publisher of the American Cannabis Report, sharing California's cannabis jobs, legal chops, and drinks and nosh for Weed Talk News. A lobbying organization in Michigan is pushing for more cannabis industry safety measures. The Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association is going after the state's marijuana regulatory agency for enforcement of its safety regulations. The group claims that state agents could do more to take illegal illicit cannabis off the market. And they want to see those changes implemented in the form of action. And with that, let's check in with Michigan Normal Executive Director, Rick Thompson. Rick. Hello again. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Is the new Detroit adult use cannabis business licensing scheme significantly different from the last one? Two attorneys quoted in a recent MLive article think differently on the subject. And remember, the first ordinance offered by the city of Detroit to license recreational cannabis businesses in 2020 was thrown out by a federal judge for having favoritism toward long-term legacy Detroit residents and licensing awards. The new Detroit ordinance, just proposed several weeks ago, offers advantages in licensing to social equity applicants, but denies a pathway to recreational licensure for half of the current medical marijuana retail shop owners in the city. Cannabis Council attorney Thomas Levine believes ordinance language which gives advantage to social equity recipients has passed legal challenge in other cities. Changing the focus from legacy Detroiters to social equity applicants might make the language less controversial, 
but Levine recognizes that somebody's going to get sued because of the litigious nature of the industry. Now, one of those frequently litigious attorneys is Denise Palasella, who represents some medical marijuana retailers in Detroit. She doesn't like to see them cut out. She said, and I quote, this is not the action of a city council at all serious about seeing recreational adult use retail facilities in Detroit, end quote. Now, lawsuits challenging the ordinance can't be filed until the ordinance is actually passed by city council, and that seems several weeks, if not months away. Now, in full disclosure, I serve on the board of Normal of Michigan with attorney Tom Levine, and I did a real radio show syndicated on public stations across the state with Denise Palasevra some years ago. Muskegon claims to have earned $290,000 in marijuana excise tax and licensing fees from their cannabis industry in 2021, and they've announced how they're spending it. $40,000 goes towards social equity, and a quarter million gets dumped into the general fund. Yep, that $250,000 general fund dump does more than pay for the city's licensing and inspection of cannabis facilities, but the $40,000 is being chewed up in individual programs, including $13,700 for marijuana educational displays on city-owned message boards and 5,000 cannabis storage bags with locks. Not exactly sure how most of us define social equity, but they are also sponsoring five different grant programs for cannabis licensed applicants who've had low-level cannabis convictions on their records. Now, the University of Michigan's C.S. Mott Children's Hospital is out with a new nationwide survey about American parents and their attitude towards CBD products. The poll surveyed 2,000 parents with a child between the ages of 3 and 18. Now, one-third of respondents said they didn't even know CBD was available for kids. 46% said they kind of knew about it, and only 3% knew a lot about CBD in children. 71% of respondents had never used a CBD product, and only 5% used them regularly. 73% would consider using a CBD product if all else had failed, but 74% still think you should be required to have a doctor's prescription before pediatric CBD use, and 83% think CBD should be regulated by the FDA. Now, it's important to note that 35% of all respondents believe taking CBD is exactly the same thing as using high-potency cannabis products. You can find those results on mottpoll.org's website. Tribal entities in Michigan who've had cannabis facilities on their sovereign lands may have a legal pathway to participate in the regulated cannabis market if a new bill becomes law. When we drafted the language of the 2018 legalization ballot proposal, we didn't include tribal entities because we believe we lacked the authority to compel the tribes to participate. Well, we were right, but the Michigan legislature's proposal gives an opt-in to the regulated adult use market if entities wish. Currently, those cannabis retailers on sovereign tribal lands can't buy cannabis from Michigan's cultivators and processors, so they either grow their own or purchase from medical cannabis caregivers. Tribal entities opting into the agreement would still have to collect and report that 10% excise tax on cannabis sales like the rest of the state does, and would also have to use the metric track and trace system. But one of the state's most active participants in the tribal cannabis industry, the Bay Mills Group, said through their spokesman, Whitney Gravel, that they welcome the chance to work with the state 
She described it as extremely grateful and appreciated the progress after being, quote, blocked out of the regulated market for the past four years, end quote. Now, that bill was supposed to have a first hearing this week, but it was pulled for some technical fixes, but is expected to receive a first reading next week. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Lawmakers in Missouri may be sweating their efforts to legalize adult use cannabis. The recently introduced Cannabis Freedom Act aims to legalize recreational consumption, provide relief to nonviolent cannabis offenders, and allow restaurants, bars, and other private venues to sell cannabis. But this week, Representative Richard Brown said he remains skeptical of the state legislature's willingness to pass such a progressive move on pot. With more from the Show Me State, here's Brandon Jones with this week's Missouri Report. Hey again, everybody. It's Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven with the Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. And yeah, there is lots of talk about recreational passing here in the next uh, few months. There's lots of different uh, initiatives and this newest one we are very hopeful for. But like we said, the representative is skeptical and we kind of all are too, that they're going to be able to just legalize it in restaurants and everywhere else be, uh, you know, pop up basically dispensaries. So we're still think that's a little ways away, but we are very, very hopeful that recreational is going to pass here in 2022 here in the state of Missouri. Uh, my first story today comes from O Greenway. Uh, the reports are finally coming in from 2021, all the, you know, the final year end reports. And here in the state of Missouri, over 10% of all jobs created in the state last year were in the cannabis industry. Over 7,000 jobs last year alone uh, came about just in the cannabis industry. And with what we're seeing you know, on the horizon here with recreational passing, only looks to be more and more jobs. Uh, my second story is a little bit of uh, a scarier story coming out of the Kansas City Star. Basically, uh, three different dispensaries have been robbed just in 2022 here in Kansas City proper. So three different dispensaries uh, have been completely broken into, robbed, and taken out. And a lot of the people around here are saying it has a lot to do with the fair access to banking. So a lot of these robbers know that there's a lot of cash on site. Uh, my buddy Daniel Jones with Waxy Brown Flower Power Hour, they do a radio show here in the state of Missouri, definitely thinks that the fair access to banking is a big reason why these robberies are happening. So hopefully uh, we'll get that changed and then we can have a place to put the cash when they keep everybody safe. So again, I'm Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven of the Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great week. Cannabis cafes are coming to Music City. That's right. Bud and Brews are planning to open its doors this spring, and it will be Tennessee's very first business of its kind. The menu will pair elevated dishes with legal hemp-derived THC-infused condiments from company Kraft Cannabis. The restaurant also plans to serve edible dessert options and drinks infused with the hemp-derived THC. Staying in the South, let's travel to Florida for this week's report with Heather Allman. I'm Heather Allman from Canvas Law Report, bringing you the We Talk News Florida Report. For now, the state isn't budging on adult-use cannabis, but a new survey by the University of North Florida's Public Opinion Research Lab revealed that 76% of Floridians support allowing people to possess small amounts of cannabis. The most supportive group was neither Democrats nor Republicans, but rather 90% of non-party affiliated voters. So while legalized cannabis may be on Florida's future wish list, it won't be happening on Governor Ron DeSantis' watch as he continues to maintain opposition to what he says is a putrid smelling plant. 
In other news, while medical marijuana is a $1 billion industry in Florida, black farmers are still fighting to cash in and secure a seat at the table. Despite a law requiring that one license be issued to a black farmer, there are currently 22 medical marijuana operators controlling about 400 retail stores. However, not one license is black owned. Many Floridians believe that this delay mirrors the state's past discrimination because when the program started in 2015, the state required applicants to be in business for at least 30 years, which automatically weeded out minority farms lacking generational wealth. Florida has now reduced that time frame to five years, which is more achievable and realistic for the 2,200 plus black farmers trying to find their way into the Florida industry. On Monday, the News Service of Florida reported the Department of Health is trying to impose a host of tough penalties against cannabis physician Dr. Joseph Dorn, including a permanent ban from ordering medical cannabis, a $10,000 fine, and a five-year suspension of his medical license. The state charges were filed after Dorn allegedly failed to assess patients before ordering their medical cannabis. Dorn, whose Florida medical practice spans three decades, is accused of neglecting to conduct examinations of two undercover patients. Department of Health attorneys allege that instead of performing his duties, Dorn used his medical designation to liberally qualify medical marijuana patients after only performing a brief consultation and ignoring many of the requirements imposed by the legislature. According to Dorn's lawyer, Ryan Andrews, however, the only trick or scheme in the case is the act of sending intentional undercover patients to Dr. Dorn and a blatant attempt to entrap him into ordering medical marijuana based on falsehoods. The case comes amid Florida lawmakers considering a slew of new proposals intended to bolster the state's medical cannabis program and access to it, so we'll have to see how this one turns out. That's a wrap for We Talk News Florida Report. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. And finally, have you ever had to convince your neighbor that that smell was probably just a skunk and not weed? Well, you may be in luck. Cannabco Pharmaceutical Corporation just released results on an extensive lab report on its, quote, odorless cannabis product. The study was conducted by Centroid, a lab that specializes in odor assessment. Who knew there was such a thing? And through multiple tests, they found the Cannabco product showed a mere 600% reduction in odor over regular weed. The report concluded the odorless cannabis was barely detectable within a four meter radius, while regular cannabis odor was disruptive and impactful up to a 50 meter radius. A smoke that doesn't put off any smell? Well, definitely goes to show you what a whole new world of weed it really is. And that's all for Weed Talk News this week. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. I kind of like the smell. I don't know. What about you? Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of Pro Cannabis Media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area. Now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first.
difference is building a solution for that individual, not just a custom, here's a box, here's a video, here's how you make your VMS. We custom design and custom build every situation for exactly what the customer needs. And we keep the cost low. We have multiple tiers, you know, as far as what you're looking at on the cost side of things. If you want a one-time, you know, where you just pay one initial cost, we have that. If you want to maintain your system and have the highest protection and highest capabilities and highest upgrades at all times, we have different plans for you. But we scale it so it's scalable and affordable 100%. Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCanna Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash ProCannabisMedia. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are Pro Cannabis Media.